Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. I've preached out of the New King James Version since it came out in like 1982, 83. And in the last year, I kind of switched over to the ESV. And, and uh, so I actually studied this in the ESV. And then I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use this Bible where I can make notes in the margins, keep the notes short, hopefully keep the sermon shorter, you know, like an hour or less. And... Um, it's an NKJV, so I'm writing it out, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at it going, I didn't read just exactly like it did when I was studying, so this could be interesting. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Know this, know this, in the last days perilous times will come. And then it tells us why. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of God, or lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. In the last days, know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Kalepas is the Greek word there, uh, which means hard to bear. Times that are hard to bear, fiercely difficult to cope with because they are so harsh and furious. It's saying that we will come to a time in history, and he's speaking to Christians, where the days that we live in will be hard to bear. It'll be hard to deal with. Does that sound a little bit like our culture and the direction that it's going? And it, again, it tells us why. Because of all these things in the hearts of men and all of these things that they have set their mind and their heart to, uh, b- blasphemy, uh, all kinds of wickedness, all of these things, and, and, uh, and you, can, you can read those. I don't want to do a word study on each one of those for you today go do your own word study and avoid these things and it also says avoid those who don't avoid these things i actually i actually did look up that word avoid and it's the word shun it made me think about movies of mennonites that i had (laughs) seen you are shunned Uh, but it actually tells us to shun those that are involved in these things and it says that Their problem is they have a form. The Greek word means an appearance, an outline. It actually means an outline 
or an outward appearance of godliness, of the word is piety, of piety. They have an outward form that suggests that they're committed to God. But at their heart, they deny the power of it. They deny the power of it. And so uh, he says they're always learning, and that word there means accumulating facts. They're always accumulating facts, accumulating knowledge. And, and it's, it's specifically um, in context referring to the Scripture. They're always accumulating facts and information about the Scripture. They're learning the Scripture. But they're never able to come to the knowledge, and that word means recognition or discernment of the truth. And the, and the, and the word for truth here is interesting because it doesn't just mean truth, not merely truth is spoken, but it means truth of idea, reality, sincerity, truth in the moral sphere, divine truth, divine truth as revealed to man by the Holy Spirit. So what it's saying is these people are continually accumulating information about what the Scripture says, but they are never able to recognize or discern that it is actually God who is speaking to man. In other words, they don't believe that this is the Word of God. Listen, most of the people in our churches in this hour in America, don't believe this is the Word of God. They believe it contains the Word of God. What's the difference? It's a huge difference. Because if it merely contains the Word, then that means any part of it that I don't like, I can dismiss as not the Word of God. Oh, well, that's annotated. That's... You know, that's then, this is now. Hello. But if it is the Word of God, then I can't do that. I can't dismiss what I don't like, or what I don't want to conform to, what I don't want to obey, what I don't want to receive, what sticks in my craw. I can't do that if it's the Word. Alright? But, D, evangelicals believe it's the Word of God. I'm standing here to tell you today, and I did a little experiment on Facebook this week, and it confirmed what I knew. And it's divided up on generational lines. About there is a generation that believes this is the Word of God, and there's a generation that doesn't. Hello. Well, <clears throat> he goes on, he says, but you... Timothy, verse 10, have carefully followed my doctrine. All right, so, so we have these people that are, that are they're, they're in trouble, all right? They're, they're literally in trouble, and they're creating trouble. Why? Because they're ever learning, never able to come to the recognition or discernment that it's God that's speaking. They just are learning scriptures, take it or leave it. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, which means to follow closely beside, to illustrate, to conform to doctrine or teaching. That's what the word here means. You have, you have followed my teaching. 
is not like following somebody on Facebook or following somebody on Twitter. He's saying what you did was you came along beside me closely and you not only listened to me, but you conformed to what I said. You actually modeled and illustrated what I said. When, when, when Paul would teach, Timothy would say, all right, I'm going to conform my life to that. I'm going to, I'm going to literally illustrate what you're teaching, Paul. You're teaching, you're saying this is godliness. I'm going to illustrate that with my life. And he said, that's, that's what you've done, Timothy. And you, you, you followed my doctrine, you followed my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions and afflictions, which because if you do that, if you follow and you model and you illustrate the truths that a man like Paul teaches, you will eventually model his persecutions, hello, and his afflictions. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight out. If, if, if there's no area of your life outside of this church where you are in trouble and having a problem because of your stand for the Word of God, you are not standing for the Word of God. It's that simple. If you're not in hot water somewhere in an, in an area of your life because of a stand for the Word, in this culture, in this culture that has totally rejected God and His Word, and there's nowhere in your life that you've got a problem going on because of your stand, you're not making a stand. How many can't wait for pastor to get back? The old cranky guy is up today. My afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And He'll deliver you. One of these days, He'll deliver you by way of death, but nevertheless it counts. Amen? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you're illustrating and modeling the Word, you will suffer persecution. Hello. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, now, notice what it says. They're deceiving, and they can't do anything other than that because they themselves are deceived. Because what? Because they did not model and illustrate the Word of God. They only learn facts about it. They only learn scriptures. And, and, and the apostles warn us, if you, if you hear the word and you don't do it, you become a forgetful hearer. We're told all the way back into the book of Genesis that you, uh, excuse me, Exodus, that your heart becomes hard when you hear the scripture and don't obey it. Every time you hear the scripture and don't obey it, your heart becomes hard and more hard and more hard. All right? And so when, when you look at the Word, when you look in the perfect law of liberty, and then you do not put it into operation in your life, you do not submit and conform to it, you become more and more hard against revelation. You're ever learning, but never able to discern and recognize the truth that comes from God. And you come to the place where you go, well, you know, 
I believe the part about Jesus died for my sins. And the reality is, beloved, if you have no hunger or thirst for the Scriptures, the truth is, you don't believe that either. You don't discern it or recognize it. And the reality is, you're a false convert. You must continue in the things. That word means to abide, live in. The things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What can make you wise for salvation? The Holy Scriptures. Listen, beloved. If this is not the Word of God, if it only contains the Word of God, if some of it's the Word and some of it's not, how do you know the part about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins is the Word? How do you know that by grace are you saved through faith? How do you know you don't have to keep the law? Maybe that part is the Word of God and the other part isn't. Are you hearing? How do you know if some of this is not God speaking, how do you know what is and what isn't? You don't get to decide. You don't get to choose and say, oh, the part about saved by grace through faith, that's God. My Jesus would do that. Because after all, we all have our own Jesus who would or wouldn't do whatever we have created image in our own mind that he would do. You must continue all Scripture. Now, here's, here's what he says. All Scripture. Everyone say all. I looked up that word in the Greek. It means all. You know, just in case. Because, like, there's this word in the Greek, synecdoche, that means uh, a part of a whole. It literally means that. It's translated all, but it means... So like when it says the Antichrist ruled the whole world, it means he ruled a part of the whole. Wait a minute. No, the Antichrist rules the whole world. Well, then why is he always at war? So... <laughs> but I haven't taken that class in college yet, so I don't really know. But this word is not synexia, this word is pasa, it means all, it means the whole, it means the entire, it means absolutely all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word, and we've talked about it ad nauseum around here, is God breathed, theonusto, God breathed it. All scripture, everyone say all scripture. All the scripture, all the graphe has been breathed out by God. It's the Word of God. And therefore, because it's been breathed out by God, it's profitable. It's useful. For what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Alright? So, number one, it's useful for doctrine. Alright? That word means teaching, and it specifically means Christian teaching with lifestyle application. So in other words, not just facts, 
But Christian, you know, it's what we say around here all the time, the YBH, the yes, but how. All right? Doctrine, Christian doctrine, always has a YBH. It always says, this is how you apply this in your life. All right? We don't just want you to be smarter sinners. All right? We want you to apply this to your life. And so this scripture that's breathed by God is useful for doctrine, for Christian instruction with application to your life. In other words, what the, the old prophet said, this is the way, walk ye in it. That's what doctrine is. This is the way, walk ye in it. Not a way, the way, walk ye in it. It's profitable for reproof, which is interesting because the word means to, we think we know what that means. It means, I got in his face, I reproved him. No, it's, it's not actually what this word means. It's interesting because the word reproof, if you look at it in the English, it's reproof. Hello. Reprove. What? Prove again. Hello. Prove again. Proof again. Reproof. It means, this word means conviction. So what's it saying? It's saying that it goes deeper, it goes deeper than doctrine, Christian teaching. It goes deeper than convincing your mind that you need to conform to this, but it is convicting. It proves itself again to your heart. It is useful to convince your mind and then to prove it again to your heart and make it a conviction. What is the difference in a conviction and a belief? A conviction you won't violate even if somebody's got a gun to your head. So a lot of Christians say, well, it's my conviction, whatever, and then you watch their life and go, well, that must not have been a conviction. It was a preference. Hello? A conviction is something you won't violate. So no, I, I'll, just, I'll just die, thank you. And the, the, the scripture that's breathed out by God is useful not only to convince your mind and to cause you to have application of the word in your life, but to actually prove it again to your inner man and convict you so that you become one of those radical saints that actually walks what you say. You know, the real radical ones. Hello. And it's profitable for correction. The word means to make straight again. So, so what does that mean? It means when we get off, the word is useful to get us back on. All right? When you start blowing up in an area, and some of you do that. Hello. Some of you do that. I, I was praying this week. I said, Lord, I just really feel like I need correction. And I'd like to just take it from you. 
<laughs> rather than the brethren. But I know you'll use the brethren if, if uh, you and I can't work it out. And so I began to feel the Word of God coming up in my heart this week, correcting me. Because the Word, how, how did He correct me? With this. Why? Because it's profitable for that. It's profitable to correct our path when we get off. Pull us back on it. Amen? And then it's correct. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness, which is different than doctrine instruction. This means discipline, training, chastisement, correction, with the end result being maturity. So look at all the things that this Word of God is useful for. It's useful for Christian teaching with application to your life. It's useful to reprove it to your inner man and bring conviction into your life so you won't yield. It's useful to bring correction when you do get off to bring you back on. And it's useful to discipline, train, mentor you, chastise you, and correct you until you come to maturity. All that from here. Not from your favorite preacher, your, you know, CDs, whatever. All that from here. Okay? Therefore, all right, well, let's, let's go on just for a second. He says, I want, it, it's useful for all this, and the end result of that is what? That the man of God may be complete, or the woman of God, all right? And insert yourself in there, ladies. That the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we, we wonder sometimes why we don't see some of the works we want to see. Maybe we need to be equipped. And his, his tool that's useful to equip us is the Word of God. So when I allow it to bring me to maturity, then I become equipped. I'm complete. I said it this way last time I preached to you. I mean, we love the prophetic around here. And, and I've got, I mean, I used to keep track of the prophetic words over my life. I had a little notebook and, um, uh, over the life and the life of the church. And, and uh, still got the church one. Um, but, you know, I got like Bob Bartlett. Where I realized I had I'd have to live to be 200 years to old to fulfill all those words <laughs> that had been given, and uh, sounds like you're despising prophesying. No, I'm not. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you this though. Some some people around this church have been frustrated at times over the years because you say nobody ever prophesies over me. Well, first of all, don't say that real loud around a church like this, or somebody will do it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> You don't want it that way. You want it to actually be God. But here's the thing. Listen, I've, I want you to receive prophecy. You may all prophesy, but the fact is, if nobody ever prophesies over you your whole life, with this, you can be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? What does it mean if it doesn't mean that? I can be complete and thoroughly equipped if nobody ever calls me out and acknowledges just what a spiritual dude I am. 
all right? Because that's, I mean, almost all of our prophetic words are those words in this generation. We very seldom get, thus says the Lord. Some of you are old enough to know the very first prophetic word that was given over me uh, in 1985. Thus says the Lord, it will be as though you fall off the end of the earth and cease to exist. (laughs) And then he prophesied over you. They're going to say you have a ragtag group of good-for-nothings that have never amounted to anything and never will amount to anything. And at this point, I'm thinking, I don't receive this, you know. receive your word and yet some in my heart was going dude speaking the truth and uh, I knew I certainly deserved it (laughs) it wasn't like I was going what did I do oh I knew what I'd done and um, so it's interesting because prophets back in those days would let you have it and uh, he pulled you aside in the corner and did that right notice in front of 200 people and they're all worshiping while this is going on enjoying their life all right Did it happen? Oh, yes. And quickly. (laughs) It's amazing how quick things can fall apart when the Lord says they're going to. Well, wasn't it the devil? I'm I'm sure he used the devil for some of it. All right? (laughs) Used a lot of flesh for some of it, but the end result was the same. All right? He took us down to ground zero, broke us in pieces, and brought us out without all that arrogance and pride on us. All right, to where we could be submissive to the voice of God. All right, where's those prophetic words? God's going to take you down a notch or two. My mom always said, or two. That was, I always thought that was her way of leaving her options open. <laughs> I'm going to take you down a notch, and if I don't like the results at that point, I'm going to take you down another one. Amen. It's great to be a parent. Listen, you've, this, this will instruct you. This will reprove. This will correct. This will train you. All right? And you throw all that other stuff on over the top. I know we need to hear from God sometimes to know. I mean, the, the, the Word of God, the Bible doesn't necessarily tell me whether to take that job or that job. And I'm praying and I'm asking God, I need, I need you to speak. I get that. But even in those cases, we have scriptures that can help us. You shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. I've had to make decisions at times that I didn't know what the Lord was saying, but I knew I could follow the peace. Hello? Does that make sense? It's served me well for more years than most of you been alive so therefore because of all of that and that's amazing i'm oh i'm almost done i need to think of some stories to tell (laughs) um therefore chapter 4 verse 1 i i charge you therefore and again when we see a therefore, we have to ask what? What's it there for? Right? Therefore, I charge you therefore. Therefore what? Therefore, because harsh, violent, furious times will come. Because men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God and into all this stuff. And, 
ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, and, and never able to recognize the Word of God. And, and, but you, Timothy, you're different because you do, you do value the Word of God. You do know that, that you've been taught since childhood, and it's made you wise unto salvation. And, and, and I'm reminding you that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and uh, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Therefore, I charge you, therefore, don't just get it, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Not your opinions. Not what you think will build a church or make people like you. Preach the Word. And just to make sure he knew what he meant, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, preach the Word when you want to and preach it when you don't. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and will they, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And I want to I read these couple of verses. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. You want to be able to say this, friend at the end of all this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Listen, I said that I, I did a little test, and, um, and I found there was a, a dichotomy along generational lines. I asked a question that was a simple question if, I asked two questions actually, that were simple, if you believe the Bible is the Word of God. The question was this. Knowing that the Nazi party platform in 19, from 1939 to 1945, 10% of Germans were Nazis, and members of the Nazi party. Um, which my wife was glad to know because I when we plan I always accuse her of being a Nazi because she's German. <laughs> and then uh, we did genealogy research, and I have more German roots than she does. <laughs> but uh, uh, only ten percent of the German people were actually members of the party. You you weren't required to be a part of the Nazi party. You joined it for the economic, social, and political benefits that came from being a party member. You joined it voluntarily because it puts you in better stead in the society. Only 10% joined it. So my question was, knowing that as early as 1939, their party platform called for the extermination of 11 million Jews in Europe, If you joined that party, the, my, my question was, would it be possible for
for a born-again Christian to join that party and sign off on that party platform. My second question was this. Having joined it, having signed off on that party platform that calls for the extermination of all the Jews in Europe, and you've signed off on it by joining the party, are you now guilty with regard to the Holocaust and the six million that were killed, even if you didn't know it was happening when it was going on? And the answer, if you believe the Bible is the Word of God, is yes. The answer is no, you cannot, as a born-again Christian, ever belong to anything like that. And secondly, the answer is yes, you're guilty. It was interesting because an older generation that was raised in church to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, most of them gave me two-word answers. No, yes. Some commented on it, but their answer was still, no, yes. Like, and it was like, duh. But if you were under 40... It was a whole different ballgame. There was only one exception over 40, and that was somebody who is currently in college and being shaped by the culture. 50 years old, but currently in college and wanted to quote her culture and community class. And I said, so in what culture or community is it okay to murder 6 million people? Are you serious? But if you were under 40, and I'm not taking shots at your generation, I'm saying, listen to me. If you were under 40 and you were raised in a church environment that did not teach that the Bible is the Word of God, which is almost all of them, I got discussions. Well, it's not that simple. And a lot of these were Kogaf kids. You know, it's not that simple. There's factors involved here. Why? why? Why is it not that simple? Because you don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. You only believe it contains the Word of God. And so you believe the part, you think, where Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you're saved by grace through faith. And since you don't really believe that the rest of it is, that's why you never read it. I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but if you never read or study your Bible, you don't believe it's the Word of God. If you believed that God spoke to you and wrote it down, nothing would keep you away from finding out what He said. Even if you are a man, because I've been getting that for 30 years. Well, I'm a man. I don't read much. You read when you want to. So, you have a generation. And this is, by the way, you can... 
you can look at studies and polls that have been done by Barna and others, and they will tell you, they will tell you that the millennial generation in the church, in the evangelical church in America, the majority of them do not believe that the Bible is the Word of God. In the evangelical church, not the apostate churches that are denying the virgin birth and all that, the evangelical church, the ones that believe Jesus died for our sins and we're saved by grace through faith, that the majority of the millennial generation does not believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And they don't realize that, therefore, they have no basis for faith. And they won't realize it until the fire is put to their faith and they're tested, and you will be sometime before you get out of this world, and it crumbles. It fails. But the idea is, yeah, but... It's talking about a long time ago. I know it says that, you know, it's, it's marriage is man and woman, but that's a long time ago. You know how old that argument is? You think that argument's just this generation? You know when that argument started? In the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> All the trees in the garden you may freely eat, but the tree that is in the midst of the garden you may not eat of it. Or you die. So the woman's walking through the garden and the devil says, you're not allowed to eat of the trees in the garden? Oh no, we can eat of the trees of the garden. But we just can't eat of that tree. Because when we eat of that tree, we'll surely die. And he goes, no you won't. You won't surely die. That's not actually the truth. It's been going on since then. It's not a new argument. Millennials, listen to me. The idea that this is antiquated and out of date and doesn't really apply to your circumstances, your generation's circumstances, where we understand that there's 87 different genders and counting. Your generation's circumstances, where we understand it's just mean to say, Love doesn't win and you can't just marry whoever you want. Your generation's circumstances that understands all these social and cultural things that our generation didn't understand because we were stupid. You guys weren't as intelligent as us so you had to go by the Word of, of God or the Bible. But we understand that the Bible is just mostly man's words and most of this stuff doesn't apply. And you think that is new revelation that's revelation that came in the Garden of Eden to that woman that day standing at that tree. If you're going to go down, for God's sake, at least make the enemy come up with a new plan. Don't let him get you with the same one he got somebody with 6,000 years ago. At least put up a fight. Okay, I may fall for something, but I ain't going to fall for something that people have been falling for for 6,000 years. I mean, how smart are you if that one will get you? If, if what will get you is, oh, it's not really the Word, you will not surely die. 
If that one will get you, you're not very smart. How y'all doing? Well, Jamie, let's wrap this up. People are disturbed. If you don't submit your life to the Word of God and believe it's the Word of God, you'll end up in that place of ever learning and never able to come to the recognition of the truth of God. You'll become those who love pleasure more than God. You'll become those who are all of those things that were listed. And... Um, we know it doesn't matter how old you are, you could leave this world tomorrow. They used to tell us that in church all the time. That was how we started every altar call. <laughs> um, and we figured out most people are probably going to live till next Sunday. Um, but the reality is, somebody may not, the reality is, is that even if you're 15, you may not live till next Sunday but it's also true that there are a few of us in this room that even if everything goes well we are closer to the end than we are the beginning amen <laughs> and and therefore we think about it am I right you think about it a little more as you get closer the very idea of standing before the throne of God gets a little more and a little more real the closer you get to it I think that's the grace of God. It, it doesn't for everyone. Those that have rejected God their whole life get harder. If, if you don't believe me, go, go minister in the nursing home. You, you'll, you'll see 85-year-olds that are so hard against God that they can't be reached. But for those of us that have, have tried to live for God, the closer we get, the more we feel this, the reality and the gravity of it. When I went for in for surgery last year, year, year before last now, um, and they were rolling me down the hall, I I was I had this strong sudden dawning on me. In in an hour, I could actually be standing before the throne of God. An hour from now. That might actually be the next person I see. That'll get you thinking. How am I going to stand there? Well, for me, it was simple. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean. On Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground. I just said, Lord, I ask for mercy. If I don't come back down this hall, that's your mercy on me. If I come back down this hall, that's your mercy on my wife. It's that simple. But either way, it's mercy. I, I trust in nothing but your mercy. And, and I'm confident of your mercy.
mercy because I believe you're I believe this is the word of God. But if 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 that's not you, if that's not you, if if you're living a life that's eh, well, you know, it's complicated. Listen, if it's complicated, you don't know him. I'm not saying there's nothing in life that isn't complicated. But these issues we talk about, if this is complicated, you don't know it. This needs to be simple before you leave here today. If, if I thought it would matter, I would, I would literally get down and beg. Spirit can draw them. Not words of man's wisdom. You need to simplify this. Every word of this was breathed by God. And it can make you wise unto salvation today by submitting to it, yielding yourself to it. Everybody stand. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.